Well, as you recall, last week we began a new series called, I mean, called uh, entitled The Walk, because that's really what we're on, isn't it, with the Lord, a walk? A walk through this life, a walk to listen to his voice, to follow him and hear him. Last week we talked about the importance of engaging with God's word, and that's a, a spiritual discipline that we learn to listen to God, not just for information, but we listen to him for transformation, because he wants to change us from the inside out. And as we hear what God is saying and we let it become essential and integrated in our lives, then we're more likely to live a life that honors him. Now, our second essential spiritual discipline is prayer. Let me give you a short definition of prayer. You ready? Talking to God. Pretty easy, right? And yet I'm convinced that this is one of the spiritual disciplines that many of us struggle with a lot. And I think it's because we, we maybe don't have the right bigger definition of what it is. You know, we can't literally see God, but we what? We know he's there. And for many of us, we leave out prayer, I think, for various reasons. Maybe we leave it out because we're just too busy. Maybe we leave it out because we really don't know what to say. Maybe we leave it out because we think, oh, God doesn't really care what I say or doesn't really have time for me. And for others, it's maybe just... Not a high priority. When I began my uh, doctoral studies, uh, I had finished uh, a degree at uh, Baylor, and I had finished my master's degree at New Orleans, and I was beginning at my first full-time church. I had served part-time churches. There's no such thing as a part-time church, by the way, just part-time pay. But anyway, I was serving smaller churches as a youth pastor, and then as I was uh, out of seminary, I was a minister of education and youth, combination with an associate pastor role. Thank goodness I was single because I didn't have time for much else. But I, I, did, I felt like that was a good time to begin the doctoral study. So I applied uh, in New Orleans. I was glad to have one of their graduates back, which made me feel good. Uh, and the degree program that I, I felt that God was leading me to take was uh, one called uh, Evangelism and, and Church Growth. They don't call it church growth anymore. They call it church health, but it's the same kind of thing. And into this group, they brought uh, eight uh, men. No, There was no exception. Women could be in it. There just wasn't any women. And there was eight of us that would be in a cohort or a group that would go all the way through the program together. And they decided they would divide that group into two groups uh, for uh, support, uh, for prayer, for encouragement. And then the professor in the program, who happened to be the president of the seminary, said, I want to challenge each one of you to identify two or three areas that you need to deal with in your own life, your own spiritual walk with God. He says, I'm convinced that a pastor cannot be an effective pastor or minister in the kingdom of God because not all the men were going to be pastors if they don't have a relationship with the Lord. I think that one of the most important things he told us is that we get alone with God, that we have a conversation with God, that we're having time with God, that we're listening to God, we're having intimacy with God. And, and I looked at my life at that point, and, and, and please understand, I, I have a master's degree from the seminary. I've been serving churches. I'm at a full-time position. I'm, I'm a minister, you know what I'm saying, in the definition of a vocational minister. But my prayer life stunk. I'm just going to be blunt with you. It stunk. Usually, I would pray before a meal because, you know, we've got to thank God for the meal, right? But beyond that, if I had a major issue in life, I might have a time of prayer. But other than that, there wasn't much. And you're probably thinking, how can that be? Oh, it happens. 
I can tell you stories about seminary we don't have time for today. But as we began to look at that, I started to identify this area, and I said, I need to add this into my life. And so part of that program was to learn about how to be more in tune with God. Can I tell you something? Probably the most important thing that came out of my doctoral studies was this right here. To begin and deepen a relationship with God in prayer. You know, there's a lot of passages we could focus on on prayer. There's the Lord's Prayer. That's always the one we seem to go to, but I'm not going there. The one I want us to look at is in Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, or the Colossian church. And as part of his closing to this church, he speaks about the importance of prayer in our lives as believers and what the outcome of that will be if we commit our lives to having prayer. Now, some of you are going, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can pray on a regular basis. Can I pray? I don't know if I can block out six hours every morning to get on my knees like George Mueller did and wear knee spots in the floor. I don't know if I have that kind of time. I want to suggest to you that we have a a faulty definition of prayer. Is there a place for concentrated, extended time before the Lord? Absolutely. But even Jesus didn't always go to the garden to pray. Do you know that? He sometimes had just short prayers that were part of his everyday life. And I want you to see that because I think if we would look at prayer that way, we might be more apt to engage in it more often if we got the truth that we can do prayer almost all day and have conversation with God. So I want you to look at uh, Colossians 4.2. We're going to read the whole passage before we jump into um, the outline. So let's uh, read the scripture, or listen as I read. Continue steadfastly uh, in prayer. Be watchful in it with, ev- with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ and an account of which I am in prison that I may make it clear which is how I ought to walk, to speak, excuse me, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Father God, we pray that as we look at this passage, that God, you would show us the challenge you have for us and God, the, the blessings that we'll find if we follow that challenge and follow that commitment, God. God, open our hearts to the importance of having a conversation with you and and speaking to you and letting you know our concerns and sharing with you what our thoughts are so that you can guide us in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So he opens this passage with something of very high importance. Look what he says. Continue what? Steadfastly in prayer. So I think the, the challenge here is, is pretty straightforward. This is real simple stuff, and yet it's hard to do, isn't it? Be steadfast in prayer. Now, what does he mean by being steadfast in prayer? Now, Colossae was a church that Paul did not, did not start. He did not go to the city of Colossae and plant this church. It was probably a church plant off of Ephesus. So when he writes this letter to them, he would have only been known by reputation. They didn't have a, a face-to-face connection with him. But this didn't let him hold back the truth. He says, i got to tell you what you need to hear. So he writes in this very direct manner to connect with them. And, 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 and the people of that day are not unlike us. They lived in a culture where Christianity, Christian beliefs, Christian thoughts were 
under serious attack. The, the, the broader culture they lived in was very pagan. The world was very anti-Jesus. Sound familiar? It's like the world we live in. This helps us, I think, understand why before he closes this letter, he talks about the imperative of prayer. Just surrendering to Jesus isn't enough. You go, well, I gave my heart to Jesus. I walked the aisle, as we call it in our day and age. Aren't I done? And I think Paul's answer would be no. There's more to the Christian experience, more to the Christian life than just joining a church and getting baptized. It's about having an ongoing conversation with the God of the universe. What a blessing we have in that. So this statement, in a sense, is like a manifesto for the followers of Jesus. What are we supposed to be doing? He uses a verb form here that's an ongoing action. He tells them, don't just pray, but pray all the time. Keep on doing it. You're going, so i I got to move to a monastery somewhere, and i got to dedicate the rest of my life to praying. No, unless God leads you to. That's not his call for most of us. But he is having a call here for us to have it in our life. I think the conversation that he wants us to have is this, is an ongoing, daily, even minute-by-minute conversation with God. You're going, well, I don't have time for that. I would dare say we don't have time to not do that if we're going to listen and have a connection with God. Now, let, let me just let me ask you this. I don't know about you, and I hope I don't confess too much here and you think I'm completely off my rocker, but I don't know about you. I walk through my life, and I have a conversation with me all the time. You're going, huh? Is he talking to himself? No, not out. Well, mostly not out loud, okay? Sometimes it is. But usually it's in where? In my head. Y'all have those conversations? You're going, Huh? There's nothing in my head. Well, there, there isn't mine, okay? And I have a conversation with myself all the time. And I'll talk to myself about, well, what am I going to do with this? How are we going to deal with that situation? What am I going to go here? How do I need to... Y'all with me? And it's usually a, a one-person conversation, right? It's me talking to me. But what if we invited God into that conversation? What if we invited God into that ongoing conversation that we're having with ourselves and say, God, okay, what's the thought here? What's the direction here? What's your your purpose here? What's your plan here? What do I need to do here? Do I need to go to to college in in Texas or Oklahoma? Y'all with me? Do I need to go to junior college first? Do I need to work for Bob or Bill? Do I need to answer your call to serve as a Sunday school teacher or should I mow the yard? You're going, he doesn't care. He absolutely cares. And the challenge is us for us to be ongoing, having a conversation with God on a regular basis. Paul would phrase it to the Thessalonian church this way, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. That means, you ready? This is the theological meaning, doctoral studies coming out. You ready? Pray without ceasing. That's what it means. Pretty deep, right? Just keep on praying. Pray, pray, pray. Instead of consulting our own mind about what we ought to do, what we ought to have, let's include God in that conversation. Let's let God step into our lives on an ongoing, regular basis without ceasing so that he can influence and impact and direct and guide our lives. Oh, wait a second. He may have me go to Africa as a missionary. He might, but he probably won't. He'll probably ask you to do something more scary, like Talk to your neighbor about Jesus. 
We need that conversation. I think that's what he's talking about when he says be steadfast in prayer. That God's invited into every conversation we have. Every moment we, you go, should I buy the, uh, which brand of green beans should I buy? You know, God doesn't care. Yeah, he does care about that. Buy this one, not that one. You know why? Because God led me to understand that that one tastes bad and this one tastes good. You with me? You're going, that's just over-spiritualizing life. Oh, I don't think it is. We need to include God in everything. So here's the challenge. What? Pray without ceasing. Pray steadfastly. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Then here comes the outcome of it. You ready? There's five things in this passage that I, I see here that are benefits, if you want to call them those. Blessings, maybe a better way to say it. The, the first one is this. We find awareness through prayer. We begin to discover what's going on around us. We see the world around Look what he says. He says, being watchful in it. Being watchful in it. In it what? It. It. You know, it's undefined, right? So what is he talking about? He's talking about being watchful in prayer with thanksgiving. Paul reveals the first benefit of being in steadfast prayer is finding a deeper awareness of the world around us, and we are then thankful that God's leading us. Going beyond including God in the ongoing conversation, his word is to say, let prayer be the conduit through which God gives you an awareness of what's going on. See, prayer, as it's allowed to become part of the flow and understanding of our lives, makes life easier to understand. We go, okay, I don't fully understand what God's going to do. I don't fully understand the next step he has, but I really do believe that he's leading. And I can be thankful for that. See, as prayer becomes part of the conversation with God, the the blinders, the spiritual blinders begin to come off. And we begin to see and we can reveal the opportunities he has, the the needs he places in front of us, the point of contact God has for us in life. But how many times in life have spiritual stuff been going on all around us and we miss it? Because we're not in contact continuously with God. I think his call here is for us as followers to engage with him in prayer so we can be aware of the spiritual realm. We can be aware of the spiritual battles going on all around us, being waged in the lives of people around us as well as in ours. See, the enemy wants to to devour and destroy you. He wants to tear you up. He wants to make you weak. He wants to make you pitiful in the kingdom of, of God. He wants you to give you no strength. And often we don't even see him working if we're not in contact with prayer, with the Lord in prayer. That's why Peter told those who read his letter, be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, is taking a nap and he's going to leave you alone. That's not what he says. He says what? He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Can I tell you something? You are all, we are all someone that he would love to chew on. We need to be aware. We need to be watching. And as we engage God through the avenue of prayer, we find his presence is really there. His comfort is really there. His strength is really there. And we can watch out for the attacks of the devil. Does that mean the attacks will never come? Of course not. But it means that we're what? Aware of them and ready to face them in his strength. It doesn't lead to some self-aware kumbaya moment where we go, oh, it's great, it's all. No, it's like, God, I know you can. You got this. I know you can handle this. I know you can lead me through this. I don't know about you, but I, I've, talked with, I've had conversations with individuals over the years that say, well, what if this happens in three days? What if this happens next year? What if this happens here? What if this happens there? What if, the... if we're in conversation with prayer, we're reminded what? God's got it all in his hands. 
And if we're going to go through it, it'll probably be hard. But he's going to be the one leading through it. So it's going to be all right. Finding that awareness, knowing that we can find victory in him. The second benefit, number three on the outline, the second benefit is we discover a boldness with prayer. Look at verse three again. Paul asks them to do something, but he's really instructing them in what comes about when we pray. At the same time, pray also for us. Now, Paul doesn't think he's multiple people. He's talking about his ministry team, okay? He's not saying, I'm an us. That'd be weird. He's talking about his team. That God may what? Open a door to us, open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. Uh, Everything wasn't going well for uh, Paul. He was in jail. See, a natural outcome of them being steadfast in prayer is that they would continue to be what? Bold. They would have an understanding that God was working even in this situation. Now, Paul wrote this letter, most likely from Rome, in prison because he had what? Shared the gospel, and then he had appealed to Caesar and gotten shipped out to stand trial in front of the emperor of the entire known world at that time. But he believed that all of this was on account that God was in, at work in it. He says, through, through prayer, I understand this. Through prayer, I see this. And I don't think he's asking, well, y'all be sure and get me out of prison so I can do something good for God. He's saying, let me do something good for God, even if, am I, even if I'm in what? Prison. He said, I want to do the right thing. Instead, he's asking to pray for boldness for God to open the door. And you're going, so he's asking for a door out of the prison. I don't think he's against that, but he's really asking for the door of the opportunity in front of him. He's going to have the opportunity to stand before who and share what? Before Caesar and share Jesus. He says, give me boldness. As I'm praying, give me boldness. So he begged the church for them to have that boldness. I think he was maybe thinking of the words of Jesus from Matthew 18, where Jesus said, again, I say to you, If two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it'll be done for them by my Father in heaven. He says, I want you to agree with me in prayer. I want us to be bold. I want to be uh, faithful. I want to be found true to the calling that God has for me. And he wants it for them as well. The third outcome of being steadfast is that we seek clarity. We receive clarity from prayer. He says, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So another outcome of this is that he would pray for clarity for who he follows, why he's in prison, what he's doing, what he's about. What he's wanting to pray for is to be him to be clear about why he's there and what he needs to say. He believed if they would be steadfast in prayer, they would find clarity in their calling. You see, an aspect of prayer to be included, I think, is the desire to find clarity and purpose and action. Don't we all want to know what God wants us to do with our lives? Don't we all know, want God to show us how he wants to lead us, no matter what stage of life we're in? So that we are faithful to what? To the end. How do you know what God wants you to do? Pray. How do you discover what's next for your life? Pray. Where do you find answers to the questions of life? Google. No. Pray. You with me? Don't we have enough common sense to figure out on our own? 
uh, pray about that one. See how that goes. Honestly, as fallen and flawed humans, we are not capable of making the best, the godliest decisions on our own. As the old hymn used to say, I didn't look up the name of the song, but it's, have, I need thee every hour. You know, that's, a, that's an old hymn. We don't sing it much anymore, but, but the thought is right, isn't it? I need God every hour. I need him. There's an amazing promise we find as we're steadfast in prayer. God will bring the answers to life. He'll bring the solutions to life. He'll bring the solution to our problems. He'll give us the right direction. He'll take us where we need to go. And we ask clarity. You know, James phrased it this way. If any of you lacks wisdom, guilty, let him what? Ask God. What's he talking about? Send God an email? Send God a text? Send him a telegram? No, he says what? Talk to God how? And pray, that's right. Who gives generously to all without reproach? And it'll be given. How about you? I like wisdom a lot. That should cause me to what? Pray a lot. Y'all with me? That's why I think we have to be doing prayer as a conversation that's an ongoing thing throughout the day as we are talking to ourselves. It's not a one-to-one. It's an including of God in that conversation. But here lies the problem. We really don't like to admit we lack wisdom. We like to think we can do it on our own. We can handle it all. We like to think we are in charge. But until we come to the place we admit that we can't save ourselves, we remain lost. And until we come to the place we are not wise on our own eyes, we will remain in ignorance. Our call is to seek clarity through prayer, through this conversation, ongoing conversation, with an attitude that says, God, I can't, but you can The fourth outcome of a steadfast commitment to prayer is that we begin to reflect wisdom. We reflect his wisdom. He tells the church at Colossae, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. He's in the context of prayer. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Another aspect of being steadfast in prayer is learning to reflect wisdom, not only toward God, but also his wisdom toward those around us. Some would say, well, Paul shifted away from the topic of prayer. I don't think so. I think he's still in the vein of prayer. It kind of drives this this whole section here. Because where else do we find the wisdom necessary to live the life that we need to live? From the Lord. And if we're having ongoing conversations with him, we should have a better connection with him, and we should be able to hear more from him, and therefore we'd have his wisdom. You know, something amazing happens when we carry on an ongoing conversation with God. As we walk with him, we begin to to talk with him. We begin to what? Talk like him. And we begin to think like him and have conversations like him. We find his thoughts becoming our thoughts, his ways, our ways. Stop a moment to consider which wisdom you'd rather have. God's wisdom, 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 God's wisdom, God's wisdom or the wisdom of social media. Wait, that's an oxymoron. There is no wisdom in social media. Uh Which wisdom would you rather have, God's wisdom or the wisdom of your therapist? Which wisdom wisdom would you rather access, God's wisdom of yours? Can't say which wisdom quickly. See, Paul grasped the truth that I think we need to grasp as well. That was shared years before Paul from Isaiah 55. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And as we spend more steadfast time in prayer, we become in tune with God's wisdom that transforms our lives from the inside out. 
I think that's why the enemy wants to keep you from praying on a regular basis. He doesn't want you and me to have access to God's wisdom. And we go, well, I can handle it anyway. I don't need it. I'm here to tell you, I can't handle it. I need it. What's the last outcome? We experience transformation. Look at the the thought in verse 6. This is still coming through this prayer being steadfast and the outcome. He says, then let your speech be what? Gracious. Seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I think what he's telling us is this. The longer we walk with the Lord, the more conversation we have with the Lord, the more ongoing conversation we have in prayer, the more steadfast we are in prayer, the more we will be transformed into the likeness of his dear son, Jesus. Consider as each of us carries on this ongoing conversation, we add his thoughts, his phrases, his mannerisms. Let me illustrate this, this point for you. You remember when your kids went to school for the first time? And they came home with, shall we call them, new words. Where did they learn those new words? From the kids they were listening to and talking with. They start picking up their mannerisms sometimes. I've heard one lately that we're going to slap somebody. Now, I've got to tell you, in our house, that's not a conversation we ever have ever have, and yet I've heard it come out of the mouth of, oh, one child I have. And we've been working to correct that fallacious thinking, shall we say. You say, well, that's just kids. Uh, Adults do it too. We pick up words, we pick up phrases, we repeat things at work, in social circles, in family gatherings. But the more we talk with God, the more we listen to God, the more our spirits are in tune with God, the more we're going to get this, sound like God. You're not going to become God. Don't misunderstand. But we begin to sound like his kids. Why? Because we're talking with the Father on a regular basis. And we have those words in us. And we have the good answers. We have positive words. We We have moral considerations that come to bear in the moment. You see, a big part of following God is learning to become like him. And a big part of becoming like him is talking with him. Now, prayer is not just a laundry list of needs and wants. God does care about those things. But I really think prayer is this. It's an ongoing conversation with God as we live our lives. Some of my best prayer times, as well as follow-up phone call times, is in the 20-something minutes when here in Texarkana. Turn off the radio and just have a conversation. And then I'll call somebody and see how they're doing. If you've ever had that call, you go, are you in a well? Yeah, I'm in a well. It's called a pickup truck. I'm driving. But the time that we spend with God, he can change us. Through the avenue of prayer, here's what happens. Our hearts begin to be changed. Our minds begin to be changed. Our lives begin to be changed. And we're transformed by his presence. That's why we included the Romans passage in our prayer time. Do not be what? Conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable 
and perfect. Jesus, following Jesus is supposed to take us from what we were without his influence to what he wants us to be. I don't know about you, but I need Jesus' influence. I learned that through the challenge of a doctoral program. Don't wait till you get to the doctoral program to start praying. Start having a conversation now. Just talking with him. So here's my challenge, three, three challenges. Number one, decide that you're going to include brief prayer every morning as you start the day. You're going to wake up and say, God, today's your day. I want you to lead me. Guide me. You say, well, I've got to spend two hours. No, that's, that was the prayer. Did you hear the prayer? God, lead me today. Remind me of your presence all day. Show me where you are today. I want to hear from you. I want to hear you in my life. And then second challenge is this. Add that internal conversation that you're already having. I, I know you are. You're having this conversation with yourself already. Add God to that conversation. Let him become a part of that. Just brief prayers. God, what's your thought here? What's your direction here? How should, I, how should I respond to that person? Should I write that post on social media? Should I this? Should, he will guide you if you're his child. And then if you don't know God, would you ask him to come into your life? You know, we do that through <clears throat> prayer as well. We say, God, I'm yours. And I trust you. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house. But Father, more than that, we thank you so much for this amazing avenue we have of prayer. This conversation that you let us have with you. The God of the universe, open and available to each one of us with no notice. That we can just speak to you any time of day any time of night about anything that's on our heart no matter how off it may seem to us you care Father show us the importance of this ongoing relationship with you we ask your hand to be on the lives of those who have decisions they need to make Father some need to trust you for the very first time they need to pray they need to call out to you God forgive me some have already done that. They need to make a decision public. Others need to commit to this church and become part of this fellowship. We're going to give you this moment to do what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen.